Hello and welcome back to Parenting Unpacked. You're here with Dr. Kristen Summer and Dr. Siobhan Kennedy Costantini. Hello, how are we? <laughs> I'm good. Sorry for the delay. We never usually um You didn't talk warn me. It. I'm sorry. I know. Um I'm in a I'm in a funny brain space today. But anyways, um fair warning if you hear little clicks like this, it's because I am currently using a fidget. Um, it stops me from destroying my body um, so that I can stim in peace. Anyways. Nice. We like not destruction. How do you usually stim? Like, oh, sorry. No, I know how you stim with the fidget, but how do you destroy your body? Finger picking? Um, or? I pull the skin off of my lips um, mm. when I'm not around other people for some reason, except for my husband. Um, pull the skin off of my fingers when I'm talking to people. Sure. Um, I know. Yeah, it's weird, um, but we're working and painful, on it. presumably. Yeah, it's pretty uncomfortable. I will give you that. If you actually look close enough in my videos on like TikTok and Instagram, you'll notice that like like you'll always see like a mark in the same spot on my lips. Um, mm. That seems to be my spot. But anyways, uh, we're working on it. We're using fidgets, oh. currently using an infinity cube. Totally. I mean, people don't do things for no, no reason. So whilst it might be physically mm. uncomfortable, it's emotionally and cognitively very comfortable. Absolutely. Oh, and quick like podcast plug for someone else, given that I'm um, really getting into my neurodivergent um, season of thriving. Um, mm -hmm. There's a podcast called Neurodivergent Women Podcast, um, and it's hosted by a neurodivergent psych, clinical psych. Um, and I think they're based in Brisbane. They were presenting Amazing. at the Compassion uh, Symposium. What's their UK. name? I don't remember. I just okay. know the pod. That's all right. <laughs> just started That's listening. Right. Neuro. There we go. They'll be clicking in the background. Apologies, people. Neurodivergent podcast. Anyways, while Siobhan is looking that up, I'm going to do Fun Fact Friday because um, right before jumping on this call, I was just like randomly, I was actually doing research for this podcast episode, obviously, because Siobhan said, let's talk about regressions. Um, she didn't actually mean the regressions. I thought, well, I sort of did. I was looking for like the evidence on four months sleep regressions, which, hey, there's none. But anyways, I ended up in like, you know, sleep training research kind of stuff. And I stumbled across a paper from 2016, which I think I've read before, but like I read it again. Um, it's from Flinders University, or at least the main author is, uh, the main, the main author, sorry. The lead author is Michael Gratisar, Gratisar, I don't know. Anyways. Um, basically in this study, they took, um, uh, a small sample of kids, so 43 infants, and they put them into three different conditions. There was a control condition where they just received education on infant sleep. There was the, um, graduated extinction method, which I think is FERBA, um, which is where you, um, leave the baby to cry for progressively longer increments, or there was bedtime fading, which basically bedtime fading is, um, where you uh, limit the baby's opportunity for sleep at night by delaying their bedtime by 15 minutes each night until you find the right combination where it like reduces the like time it takes to go to sleep and things like that. So it's considered a gentle version of um, sleep uh, adjustments because there is no crying. You literally just keep your baby up longer, um, which might make some of you scream internally if you've been told that, um, you know, babies need to go to sleep earlier or they get or they'll get overtired. Anyways, it's so so totally beside the point. Um, what this study did was it had actigraphy, which means they had an objective measure of how much babies slept and woke 
they also took a diary of um, like from the parents and the parents would write out how often their baby woke, how long it took to put them to sleep, how long they slept for, whether they woke up um, soon after waking. Um, they also took saliva to get cortisol measures. Cortisol is stress. Um, and I think that's it. Oh yeah. And they did attachment. So they took the strange situation test, which tells you, um, sort of, um, what type of attachment your child has. And I guess they looked at whether it changed and what they found. And this is really funny. I was, um, kind of complaining to Siobhan about this, um, right before it started. So they found that for the actigraphy, so that's your objective measure of sleep, all of the babies in all of the conditions were similar in how long they work, how frequently they work, whether they took a long time or a short time to go to sleep and all of these things. There was no difference between the conditions on the objective sleep measure. So that's the one that actually shows what a baby is doing. Um, on the subjective sleep measure, which is the one where the parents reported it, they found a whole bunch of differences with like lots of support for the graduated extinction. Um, a little bit of support for the bedtime fading and a little bit of support for the um, sleep education group. Now, the irony is when they wrote in the abstract about what this study found, um, they used all of their findings from the sleep diaries and kind of presented it as like what the study found and its main impact saying that, you know, graduated extinction and bedtime fading are both very effective measures for changing infant sleep. But that's not entirely true. Actually, it's not true at all because that's just changing parents' perceptions of sleep because the actigraphy showed no changes, um, which tells us that um, objectively the infants didn't really change the way they slept throughout this, um, this uh, intervention period. Or rather, um, they all changed or maybe they all got better equivalently it's a bit unclear in the paper mm. um actually it does look like they all got a little bit better but which makes sense like, in terms of development right like it, on does, average. it could just be development it could just be standard development because it's over a period of time um I think it's like over a period of three months so you would expect them to get um, like progressively better and these babies were six to 16 months as well that's like a really key thing here most researchers mm. most research done on children's sleep or infant sleep is um done after six months of age I don't think you're really meant to sleep train a baby under six months wow well, um, no mm, that's, that's also a massive right. like age gap age there's so much happening in six and 16 months so and there's and there's like less than 15 kids per condition like oh. this is tiny numbers um, I'm amazed it got published. Yeah, I mean, the way they wrote it makes it sound really impressive. And it got published in pediatrics, um, oh. which is crazy as well. It was also really hard for me to get. I had to do like the sneaky, sneaky scientist thing and go somewhere that um, I definitely don't use um, to get it. So you couldn't even get it through your institution? No, no. It said huh. I didn't have wow. access to it. And I was trying to access it through like my institution's like Wi Fi as well. So, like, I usually I can get it. But, anyways. Um, so that's my fun fact Friday, essentially um, education on infant sleep, bedtime fading, which includes no crying. And it's just about making your kids stay up later and graduated extinction all lead to the same outcome. And that is, you know, potentially just normal development um, increases because your education I, control is not a control. And no, that's, I was, as you were describing, I realized they don't actually have a control. I know. Um, because particularly when it's coming, well, when the measure that they're using, parent reported. Mm -hmm. And as we know, like 
asleep in the wet is a highly charged topic for parents every time. Like when you have a baby, every time you see anyone, the question is, how are they sleeping? Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's a well-meaning question or a judgmental question, it can be both. Um, neither. No, it can ask, usually is one or the other. But it's, it's a charged question and it therefore is a charged topic and highly polarised. Um, anyway, so yeah, you, can't tr- you can't trust parent sleep um, reports. However, it is important to understand that it's a component of infant sleep is much more about how parents feel about it than the content sleeping themselves. Um, there's a one thing that I think is very interesting is like, and you will hear so many parents in this place, is that one version of a bad night's sleep is a mother's dream situation. Mm-hmm. So I've, yeah. In mother's groups, so many times people are like, oh, they woke three times last night. I'm like, I would kill for a baby that only mm-hmm. woke three times. Um, yeah. But that's not to say that those mums weren't actually struggling because you get used yeah. to what, you, what you're experiencing very quickly. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yes, perception. Um, and your experience of a situation is just as important as the situation itself, but not when it comes to research. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't claim them as comparable. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, I think I never really got around to reading the cortisol like findings, um, but I don't think that they were very strong at all. It didn't sound like they were very strong in the abstract either. There wasn't any change in attachment styles, which, you know, um, Probably the strange situation isn't the most spectacular way to measure it because you're taking the child out and putting them in a really weird place. Um, so we don't really know if attachment changed. Also, whether it changed over a three-month period, like that might be too short a period of time. Although, yeah, I mean, attachment attachments are, it's, it's dynamic, but it's also yeah. a long game situation. Yeah. Like it, it's a, a pattern of behavior rather than a consistent, um, rather, sorry, rather than individual instances. Um, and that's a supported a pretty supported finding is that um sleep training in general doesn't affect the attachment however depending on a child and their temperament and your temperament it could do so it's not a not a catch-all but actually that's a perfect segue Mm -hmm. I'll I'll share my yeah I'll share my fun fact Friday at the end but it's a perfect segue to what I wanted to talk about today which is how science is communicated. So obviously what we do, we um, on our various platforms communicate science. We communicate what we know from our own study, from our own research and from our um, decades of learning about all this stuff and then reading and um, getting on top of the new stuff is Mm -hmm. that science communication is a really difficult thing to do because Mm -hmm. of the following reasons. Scientists take complicated particularly like life sciences or psychology when we're looking at people um people are messy it's the so way messy. they behave yeah the way they behave the way we do things why we do things um our biology our psychology our experience of the world it's messy and it's not easily quantifiable which is for example like anytime I do a personality test like a fun buzzfeed article I never get the same result no one does because who we are on a given day is different to who we are tomorrow versus who we are like in two weeks time. Yes, yes. We're, compli- we're complicated, highly variable creatures. And so when psychology research or medical research tries to examine people, they have, that's the reason we need such big sample sizes because you mm-hmm. can't study three people and assume that's what humans do. Usually we need to be studying thousands and thousands of people in a perfect world. But even then you're not, 
So in order to like understand the individual, you have to study thousands and thousands of people, but by studying thousands and thousands of people, you lose the individual variation. So scientists take really complex things, do a ginormous, like big, big picture view of things. And then sometimes depending on their quality of writing and ability to have perspective, summarize their findings and try to identify how it applies to the population. So mm -hmm. maybe they're studying people with autism and they're studying how does this thing I've found about this subgroup of people with autism relate to all people with autism. Mm -hmm. But every single person who has autism is an individual with their own unique characteristics. So whilst the findings might indicate this general group of people did X, Y, and Z, it doesn't mean that you as an individual who has autism does X, Y, and Z. So that's one part of the problem. You take big, complicated people, sorry, mm -hmm. the big groups of complicated people, and you try to simplify it into an easily digestible story or research paper. Then journalists mm -hmm. get involved. And then it becomes yes. even more problematic because yes. understandably they have to simplify what happened so that people can understand it. Mm -hmm. And then the people who understand it take it and run rampant by telling mm -hmm. everyone what's going on. So sleep regressions, which Kristen started talking about at the beginning, is probably a perfect example of the way this science works. So to simplify a very long story, basically there's these researchers from the Netherlands who they mm -hmm. their research was they were looking at mother-infant primates and they observed mm -hmm. over decades that monkey babies or chimpanzees, sorry, chimpanzee infants, tended to follow patterns of um, developmental bursts and then regressions um, and that this affected their mood, their sleep. Um, so they had these stormy periods or these kind of more relaxed weeks. Then they were curious. So it was a, a husband-wife pair of researchers who studied um, primates. They were curious whether this held for humans because we're, we're primates too. And they found that it kind of matched um, mm -hmm. Then they wrote a book in the 90s, which became very <laughs> popular in the 2000s. Um, and then they this, was, this book is called The Wonder Weeks, and it describes these bursts of <laughs> development and these periods of regression. Mm. And then sleep trainers uh, went wild and described sleep regressions and how to get through mm -hmm. them or get over them. And the thing is, the original, so originally in terms of, when it comes to like primate research, I've been to those labs. Um, there's one in um, Texas, Bastrop, Texas, just out, outside of Austin. And the people that work there are wonderful and very kind, but it's literally like monkeys in a cage. It's like a battery hen farm. Yeah. It's a contrived situation. It's not natural. The lights get turned, like the ginormously bright lights get turned on and off at different times. They get fed through a hole. Like, mm -hmm. it's, like it's not a natural situation for monkeys. Mm -hmm. So, um, or chimpanzees or whatever the situation is. So it's supremely contrived data anyway. And then you're just um, going, oh yeah, it's pretty similar in humans. Um, <laughs> so that, like, it's just taking like nuance and complexity and individuality and variance and oversimplifying it, turning it into a book and over further oversimplifying it for general consumption. And then people who don't have scientific background or understanding go this is what people do this is what all babies do and what they should and shouldn't do and then mm. the mum at the park tells you that your baby's going through a sleep regression and you're doing it all wrong 
Because <laughs> she read a book. like my awkward mum's group. Um, it videos. does, doesn't it? It really <laughs> does. And it's just this like wild oversimplification of really mm. complex biological systems. Yeah. And just... it drives me bananas. Like I get it. I get why I why totally. people are driven to do it. They like when you have an infant, there is so much chaos, so much randomness. You don't know when anything's going to end and you just want something to tell you when it will end or when mm-hmm. it will change or when it will get better. And mm-hmm. so like we already know, I talk about this on the pod like far too frequently, but humans are very averse to randomness and we search for meaning in everything, even when there is no meaning. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that some children just don't sleep like others do. Um, and but it's, it's even just... more random than that. Like that's why we see patterns in the clouds. There's no <clears throat> patterns in the clouds. But yeah. because humans are so desperate for meaning and understanding. And it's that's also yeah. one of our magic our superpowers, right? It's why we're yeah. so great at telling stories and creating mm-hmm. skyscrapers and cities and all these wonderful things is that we create order out of chaos or at least we mm-hmm. are so desperate to try so when yeah. we see a face in the clouds it's not because there's a face in the clouds it's because our brain seeks to make patterns or mm-hmm. to understand random chaos and like you say I'm mm-hmm. exactly the same like I downloaded these apps I looked into all this mm-hmm. stuff I followed this stuff um, because it's exactly right not only as a parent of a newborn or a child in general, let's be honest, you have no idea what's going on and you are desperate to try and do the very best for this child. Um, Mm -hmm. And even if you have wonderfully supportive people in your life who are like, just go with the flow, read their cues, you're there going, huh, how the (laughs) hell am I supposed to do that? I don't know what their cues are. I have no idea what's going on. And so you're just trying to find something, anything. Yeah. Like in contrast to you, I downloaded the Wonder Weeks and then immediately couldn't use it because I had a chaos child. I had a child <laughs> that literally like could not nail down. Everything was chaos. Like, you know how, like I was talking about this on one of my videos I was recording this morning. You know how there's like those bedtime routines where it's like mm. bath and like baby massage and like there's mm. science behind baby massage apparently. Um, and then like you you give them a bottle and then you read them a book and they go to sleep or like you feed mm-hmm. them to sleep, whatever. Um, my chaos child would scream from the moment she got out of the bath until there was a nipple in her mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it that was exactly, matter. that was yeah, exactly it, us. It didn't matter what um, latency there was. So how long it took for me to get a nipple mm-hmm. in her mouth or whether I was present, we made like for probably a couple of months, I made my husband take her from the bath, get her dressed and get her ready for bed. And then I would feed her. We changed the time. We did so many things. She just screamed for about a year from the moment we took her out of the bath. That's so amazing. That is exactly, that's exactly how we went. Um, We would actually some, we changed it a little bit depending on, (laughs) but yeah, that's exactly right. Hopped out of the bath, screamed. Mm -hmm. Then Alex mm-hmm. would take Timo and I would rush to get dry because I would bath with yep. him yeah, because um, he needed someone yep. to be touching him at all times. Yeah, yep. um, <laughs> I would rush, get dry, get clothed, um, try to get everything ready and then mm-hmm. run into the room while I could hear the screaming the whole time, of course. Yeah. And then for a little while, Alex bathed him once he started tolerating someone else and mm-hmm. then I would rush madly to get everything ready. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally sorry I don't quite know how that relates apart from well it does sharing the that fact, 
Well, no, it does in the fact that with Wonder Weeks is prescriptive recommendations mm. for what you should do to get your baby to do X, Y, and Z. Wonder mm. Weeks is a little less um, prescriptive in terms of like, you should do this to make your baby do this. They're more like, your baby's probably doing this right now. They're probably in a stormy period. They're coming up to a sunny period. And like, that can be really comforting to some parents. I don't think I've really heard much about Wonder Weeks causing too much anxiety. But what That's I so do true. Know, yeah. What I do know causes a lot of anxiety is sleep routines or mm. the bed, bath, bed routine. Mm. Um, no, bath, bed, bottle, boob, whatever. Mm. Oh my God. Anyway, so where it's relevant is the fact that like in my, you know, postnatal like anxiety and depression brain, but I think this is common to other parents as well that didn't have the same mental health challenges we did. Um, I was thinking, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to have this nice, calm, quiet um, bedtime that everyone else seems to have with their, if with my baby. Um, and I just remember thinking that constantly, I was never going to have this nice, peaceful, beautiful routine. Like everyone else seems to have, like, it's always going to be screaming and miserable and anxious. And like, mm. I mean, now we have that beautiful, peaceful routine. Like now we all jump into bed and read a book and she flutters her eyes closed and goes to sleep. But that took three fucking years, um, <laughs> a lot of anxiety yeah. and never, ever being able to get a single prescriptive routine that's meant to work, to work because humans are variable. Mm. Not all babies love a massage. Actually, I think my child, I think I tried it and she hated it. Mm. Um, and yeah, it just doesn't work for all kids. And I think that's the idea of this, right? Absolutely. Like that. that's, exa that's exactly the idea is that, these well-meaning like research papers and I do believe mm, that it is yeah. well-meaning oh absolutely um, get gets oversimplified and then re-oversimplified and then re-oversimplified into a prescriptive babies do x and if mm -hmm. your baby's not doing x then there's something wrong with you or them or both which yeah is messed up it's not helpful and I like you said just before I agree like I don't want the wonder weeks isn't um like that uh mm. which is great but sometimes people interpret the wonder weeks and that's why mm. I think I don't know if we this was on the recording but earlier we were talking about how there is very limited research behind sleep regressions there's no and research there's <laughs> hardly any like the the research behind the wonder weeks which mm. is like good quality stuff um apart from the obvious challenges when it comes to monkeys is just yeah. some of this like it's useful to study primates to understand human behavior yeah. but it's yeah. not the be all and end all um yeah. but yeah sleep regressions it's not an accepted term in the sleep research field mm -hmm. um it's not studied and really it's quite amusing that sleep regressions is mm. actually like kind of a conflated issue where I don't think the Wonder Weeks even talks about it that much. They just I talk about, so. no, they talk about regressions, which is more, mm. the stormy periods is, which is yeah. the language they tend to use is yeah. more just your child's going through stuff and they might, yeah. sleep might be difficult. Life might be difficult. They might be grumpy. So yeah. almost exclusively um, the four month sleep regression is different, but almost exclusively quote unquote sleep regressions have nothing mm. to do with sleep. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's all to do with development. It's times mm -hmm. when extreme bouts of learning happens, whether that's mm -hmm. cognitive or motor learning is happening. And it, mm -hmm. that sleep is a like bad sleep, quote unquote bad sleep is a side effect. So yeah. it's that your baby's brain, their development is on fire 
and their mm-hmm. sleep goes to shit. Yeah. And it's, it's like exactly that- the same with us as mm-hmm. adults. It's- it's like that Alison Gopnik quote. It's my favorite quote ever. She's like, um, being in a baby's brain is like being in Paris for the first time in love after three shots of coffee. It's a wonderful way to be, but it does tend to leave you crying at three o'clock in the morning. Exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> my favorite quote. And that's exactly what's happening in your baby's brain. And it's not just like sleep regressions kind of just are describing a phenomenon where babies just either don't want to sleep because they're practicing skills and they're having Mm -hmm. a lot of fun doing it or they've just learned that like um you know you can be separated from them although I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if that one's really a solid one but anyways they're learning new things and it's changing whether they want to sleep it's also like disturbing their sleep if they're a bit overwhelmed or how easy it is to get to sleep how I mean how well did you sleep the night before your wedding um that's a great question I don't remember because I don't remember sleep much pre-child but I also had a meltdown slash panic attack on my wedding day that lasted five hours so um yeah probably not well (laughs) I the night before my wedding I didn't sleep at all because I was just too excited I was too pumped solid effort um and I was not I mean (laughs) well yes for, for different reasons um but like, it's exactly like it's anytime there's a new or exciting thing happen or on holiday, you tend not to, you sleep differently. Like anytime yeah. your brain is experiencing like big differences. And when it comes to babies and development, yeah. their difference and like big change <laughs> is their normal. Yeah, it's constant. Oh. So I think that's the main message that we're trying to get across is that things are always more complex than they seem. That mm-hmm. sleep is complicated um and that however you and your baby make it happen is a-okay yeah absolutely I think I think sleep is such a big one because people like to pathologize it they're like oh your Mm. baby isn't sleeping well for like a week therefore you must train them to make them sleep better so that the whole family functions better but like a lot of it comes down to perspective if you think your baby's Mm. sleeping normally you're going to be less stressed and if you're less stressed well you're not as tired and then all of a sudden sleep deprivation isn't actually a problem and um everyone's happy and it's just yeah um I I mean yeah it's it's such a hugely complex issue and no doubt it's got a lot to do with women entering the workforce in the 80s like Mm -hmm. if 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 both parents are working then both parents need sleep in order to function Mm -hmm. um and then some I mean we we pathologize sorry pathologize sleep in general like how often do do we yeah like any adult if you're not getting out eight hours of sleep a day it's a disaster if you're sleeping too much it's a disaster mm-hmm. like yeah there's, and there's not really an accept accepting nature of the fact that some days we sleep six hours some days we sleep not. like that there's the variation yeah, absolutely um like I need to kind of touch on something that's a very controversial thing here because we have talked about sleep a lot in this episode and Siobhan mm. I don't know did you miss it or were you um a keen observer like I was when the sleep mm. trainer live streamed uh, sleep training a four-month corrected infant in her walk-in robe while her family went to Disneyland. I didn't catch it, thank goodness, mm. but I did catch the aftermath. I saw yeah, that's it what I thought. Michelle um, from At Babies and Brains. Yes. I saw her yeah. when she first started talking about her stories and I mm. actually <laughs> was chatting to Caitlin Klimmer, who's also a sleep mm-hmm. consultant. Um, she was a gentle attachment informed sleep consultant on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I reached out to her and I'm just like, what the actual... Fuck! Mm-hmm. What 
Like I, un- like you, I'm not mm-hmm. anti-sleep training in and of itself. I think, mm-hmm. I think what you shared the other day is that it should be considered a medical intervention in serious condition, like serious mm-hmm. situations where it's required for the health and safety of the family. Mm-hmm. But like to, to drop your child off with a stranger, oh well, no, mm-hmm. apparently they were family friends, but to, to your child, they're a stranger mm-hmm. to drop them off while you and the rest of your family goes to Disneyland? <laughs> well, I'm... no, we're not shaming the parents, Siobhan. Hold on. Let oh, me get some context. Oh, yes, fine. Let me, let me fine. get some context into this because I think people might be missing a lot of information. So sure. um, over the end of last week, I think, I think it wasn't the weekend, it was like the end of last week, um, a very large sleep account with 300,000 followers went private. And after they went private, they... Um, proceeded to live stream, live document the sleep training of an infant that was placed in their care, I think by a friend, you're right, um, I did see that, um, who was born five weeks premature. So the infant was five months old and then was born five weeks premature. So it wasn't even quite four months corrected, I think. Um, and he was, she, I don't know, the child was placed into a um, walk-in robe um, and was sleep trained using, I want to say Ferber, like your graduated yeah. extinction, not your cry mm-hmm. it out. And the entire time the sleep trainer was using the child's um, experience of being sleep trained by a strange person in a strange environment while the parent was away um, to sell her product. And I think this is the major issue here because what they're doing is minor exploitation in marketing. So Mm. she had 300,000 followers when she went private. And there are rules when it comes to marketing. Some television channels don't get anywhere near 300,000 viewers. Um, And yet this woman was exploiting a baby and broadcasting what could be trauma. We don't know. But it's very traumatic when you're in a strange place or a strange location and someone isn't coming to you when you cry for them. Mm. Um, because this is a self-preservation instinct for this pa- this baby. They would um, imagine if you were dropped off somewhere with someone strange and, I, you know, you can think about that concept yourself. Um, but yeah, the, the biggest issue here, like we're not going to shame the parents for sleep training or going to Disneyland or anything like that because that family friend is a family friend of a sleep trainer who they trust and that's like, true. That's so marketing true. to the family friend. I can do this. Like your baby shouldn't be doing that. They're sleep deprived. They're doing this. You shouldn't be sleep deprived. It's even more important for a preterm infant to have better quality sleep because then their brain will catch up in the cognitive development. I can only imagine the things this lady was saying to this friend. So I'm not, I'm never going to cast aspersions upon the parent. I will always, always cast aspersions on the sleep trainers who use predatory marketing. And in this case, exploiting minors to market their products, to sell their courses um, uh, to vulnerable parents, right? Um, So that is what happened here. And I... I, I'm outraged because this is predatory yeah. marketing. Like this oh, is creating problems so that you can but it's then interesting, right? get people she, and get them to pay you. Abs- yeah, well, go for it. I mean, it's, it, no, no, it's just because <clears throat> she went private. So she mm. knew it wouldn't be well received by people who didn't agree with her. Yeah. Um. So like, it's not that she didn't know that there was potential 
like backlash coming mm-hmm. her way. Yeah. Um, you are right about the family. We don't know all the specifics. We don't know what they mm-hmm. were told. We don't know how or why things mm-hmm. happened. So that was that was unkinder and unfair of me. I think more it speaks to the kind of my disillusionment of the fact that parents are not mm-hmm. informed of yeah. the challenge and the level of distress that a child would experience being left with a stranger and then like if you have to leave your child with a stranger or even with a friend or someone they know well for whatever reason that's fine but Mm -hmm. for that child to then not be responded to when they need Mm -hmm. love connection and care Mm -hmm. is mind-blowing and the fact that and maybe the parents didn't know it was happening I don't know Mm. but you're absolutely I know I I, I, I'm just doing benefit of the doubt here I don't know but presume hopefully at least she got the permission of the parents but either way it's still terrible yeah it's still terrible like I just I don't know it's you're absolutely right like it's and Michelle from at babies and brains talked like she there was a she had lots of lots of things to say um but she (laughs) and like mostly I agreed with them but um she talked about like she did a thing about how if a boyfriend filmed his girlfriend crying in a crying in a closet for 24 minutes while no yeah. one responded to her and then put it online that would be abusive that would be considered abuse if a teacher did that to a child they would be fired they would yeah. be charged like yeah. it's just so wild an animal it would be yes. considered animal abuse I just I completely agree with you I don't know why this is okay mm. and why there's perhaps I'm be curious to see like did she lose followers did she was there outrage I have a feeling she gained followers because like for the first time I checked I think it was under 300,000 I could be wrong um it's just in fucking sane like Mm -hmm. I don't I'm not I'm not okay with it I'm not okay with the sleep training industry in general and I've made that very clear um I have like a army of of scientists who want to work on um, parental mental health and the consumption of social media specifically around um, sleep information now like we started it mm. a couple of days ago and we are growing um, so we are on a mission to change this because it's fucked um, I want to be able to have legal recourse for people who use marketing tactics like this because minor exploitation in this kind of form should never be allowed. Instagram needs to be told that this kind of thing is happening, that there are mo- there is exploitation of minors on their app um, in the service of selling products, which is simultaneously like destroying mental health because it's giving false health information. Mm. Anyways, like it's a wild, big absolutely but- wild. Siobhan, we've only got about five minutes left. So what's your fun fact Friday? Perfect. So before I share my fun fact Friday, I'm going to share the names of the women behind the Neurodivergent Women podcast because I forgot to get them back to you. So it's Dr. (laughs) Michelle Livock. She is a psychologist in Brisbane, in Queensland, as is um, Monique Mitchelson. Mm-hmm. those are the ladies behind that and it sounds very cool and I'll definitely be giving it a listen thank you for your suggestion yeah um and so when it comes to my fun fact Friday on uh whatever day we post this who knows if it's a Friday <laughs> let's find out mm-hmm. um is I've been looking into autism so um as oh. those of you who know um Kristen has recently received an ASD diagnosis so autism spectrum disorder mm-hmm. and 
I haven't, it's a topic that I've always been interested in, even as a child. Yeah. I don't meet the criteria myself, but my mum as a speech therapist has worked with lots of kids with autism. Um, so I've mm. always been interested in it. And I realised that I don't know much about the current research. Um, mm. It's uh, basically autism tends to be an umbrella term um, that, and there's lots we still don't know, but we're starting to learn more and we mm. can talk about it in a future episode. But basically mm. I learned that they have recently found an association between autism spectrum disorder and a mother's exposure to ozone pollution during oh. the third trimester of pregnancy. Wild. That is really yes. interesting. Like, what is mm. that? What does that mean that autism diagnoses are higher in places like China where pollution is so extreme? Perhaps. Oh, interesting. Perhaps. Although, like, this does hark to the um the formula feeding and autism stuff mm -hmm. that went around recently I don't know if we talked about that on the pod but I sure as hell ripped that person a new one on <laughs> Instagram for um trying to say that uh shorter breastfeeding lengths and more use of formula increased the risk of autism because guys it's a neurodevelopmental disorder it happens mostly in utero it's no. very unlikely it's more likely that autistic children have issues with breastfeeding um, yeah. and GI issues and, and things like that but anyways and that's like it's an issue of causation versus associated like was it correlation versus causation just but yes. it doesn't increase the risk it is associated with yeah it is present they are both present at the same time and there are multiple explanations for why it occurs yes mm -hmm. and it's um, the fact that we haven't figured it out in the last hundred years it's going to take us a long time to figure out what's going on still gonna people are complicated we only just realized that like women <laughs> We're probably mm. the majority of autistic sufferers, not the minority. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Sufferers? I don't think sufferers is the right word. I don't uh, really know. Experiences. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, right all of this is. is a wonderful topic for maybe next week. Yes. And maybe we'll talk about Heartbreak High on next week's topic oh, as well. Uh, okay. High. I'll put that. Did you watch I it? Haven't, I watched it when I was a kid, the original version. Yeah, no. I have not one. started the new one. Mm. So that, will, that can be my homework. Yeah, because Chloe Hayden who is um, a person with autism depicts a character with autism and she does a fucking spectacular job and it actually like illustrated a lot of things I experienced in my life and I was like that's why I look like such a like resting bitch face when I'm like hmm. out to a cafe out to a cafe with my husband that's my trying... excuse then uh well I mean you're Siobhan you know? um, you're just a rat bag of a person <laughs> anyways <laughs> Siobhan we are about to run out of time because uh our recording platform is ruthless so I think that's all we've got time for we'll catch you in the next one see, see you next time later. everyone bye bye